the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. Our podcast is sponsored by Alliance Defending Freedom. ADF provides help at no cost to those whose liberty is being violated, but they can't do it without your help. Call 800-691-8969. That's 800-691-8969. Or visit townhallreview.com. We turn to Steve Kornacki, who has emerged as the man who has the plan for figuring out what's going on. Steve, I can't believe you're awake. Thank you for joining us this morning. When was the last time you had two hours of sleep consecutive? I was going to say, I got about 60 minutes, uh, about 4 in the morning, but uh, it's fine. It's the season for this. I'm good to go. We've got exciting stuff going on. All right. Give us, first of all, uh, an estimate of who will have the delegate lead after the dust settles in California and elsewhere around the country. I think it's likely, it's very likely Joe Biden is actually going to be ahead in the delegate count, even when California is counted. And, and I mean, that that was just unimaginable. I mean, even yesterday morning, I, I don't think there were there was anybody that thought that. Um, it, it's just a product of Biden ran up such huge margins in the southeast. I mean, he, he won Virginia by 30 points, you know, North Carolina by 20 points. And when you can put up margins that size in states that big, you get a pretty big delegate haul out of it. And so you add up all the southeast, you look at him winning Texas, Massachusetts, Minnesota. By the time you get out to California last night, Biden had actually built a pretty considerable delegate lead. When they're all tallied from those states, he'll have a pretty significant delegate lead from those states. And it looks like it'll be enough to absorb even a 15, 20-point loss to Sanders in California if it ends up there. So at this moment, the AP delegate counter has Biden at 453 and Sanders at 382. You don't see Sanders as closing that gap. And so we go into Michigan, which is next week, in a very pivotal primary, probably just one-on-one, right? That's what you expect? That's what I expect. Warren, I, I just don't know sort of the psychology there, if she has some you know reason she wants to stay on. But delegate-wise, yeah, this is there's two here, you know? And so... In that race, uh, if Elizabeth Warren's votes are put into the Sanders column and not the Biden column, and I think the overwhelming majority of them would go to Sanders, not Biden, who would have won if Elizabeth Warren had not been in? I, I think the problem there for Sanders, again, is Biden still wins the Southeast and he still wins it big. The, the margins were just that large in those states. And, and really, that, that's a reflection of the black vote, heavily the black vote going for Biden by the margins it did. Obviously, that would have helped Sanders. Um, it could have helped him in Texas, you know, would have you know, padded his margin a bit potentially in California. Um, but I think we might even still be talking about a pretty good, um, you know, Biden night after last night. Is it over, Steve Kornacki? <laughs> well, I got to be careful, right? Because you think about how we all looked at this race 10 days ago and we look how much the world has changed. But I would put it this way. If the coalition that Sanders has right now doesn't change, it's over. And the coalition that Sanders has right now looks a lot like the coalition he's had for four years. And he's had a limitation there. He's had an inability to break through with black voters. His campaign spent four years 
thinking and hoping and trying to change that. It hasn't changed at all. I mean, he's still getting like 16% of the black vote. That's what he was getting one-on-one with Hillary Clinton. And he is still struggling with older voters, older black voters, older white voters, older non-white voters. Um, That was an issue four years ago. It's an issue now. If those two things don't change and don't change very quickly, he's going to get clobbered in Florida, in Georgia, in Louisiana, in Mississippi, and he's going to fall farther and farther behind in the delegate race. So I don't know if you saw the really awful 2013 movie Grudge Match. Uh, Sylvester Stallone as Henry Razor Sharp versus Robert De Niro as Billy I, I the Kid. Okay, yeah, they, oh, two old boxers. I mean, really old boxers ah. exchanging blows for round after round. It was really hard to watch. This is going to be really hard to watch because Bernie won't ever give up, right? Well, and that's, I'll tell you what, that's the one wild card I see in this. There's a debate scheduled. The next nationally televised debate is set for March 15th. And if, if what you're saying is right, it's one-on-one. Biden versus Sanders, one-on-one, two hours, national television. Maybe that's a wild card. How, how do they each hold up? How does Biden hold up? Biden has struggled in debates. Biden has struggled in some moments as a candidate, sort of a, a public moments as a candidate. Um, two hours, one-on-one. Let's see how that goes. Because I say the Sanders coalition would have to change if there is something in Biden's performance in the next few weeks that unnerves Democratic voters. That could be a variable here. That could be a wild card. So I I would flag that one. You know, as I said, I meet the press. I voted for Bernie in Virginia. And obviously there weren't enough of me who wanted the race between a socialist and a free market guy on the ballot to matter. How many Republicans crossed over last night from your exit polling? Yeah, we were looking at, I think, the share of the Democratic electorate in Virginia that identified as Republican was 6%. That was up from 3% uh, a couple years ago. I mean, not having a Republican contest, having the open primary help. But it was it was 6%. It wasn't as high as some folks were, uh, were projecting. And so that's not going to be a factor going forward. Yeah, I mean, I think this talk that there were Republicans out there that were going to, for whatever reason, go for, for Sanders. Virginia is the exact kind of state where that can happen. And, and Biden won the state by 30 points. Did the Republicans who crossed over go for Biden? Because like Bill Crystal, my old friend, wanted Biden. He voted for Biden. I voted for Bernie. We both wanted different races. He thinks Biden can beat Trump and he's a never Trumper. And I, I think Bernie is socialism embodied and I wanted him. How many of those Republican crossovers were Biden voters? And, and what percentage of those does Biden get in the fall? Yeah, the problem there was that the sample size is so small, uh, the self-identified Republican, it couldn't break it out. So you got to start looking at the map and, and just looking at, you know, can you tell where these Republicans who are, they, they're Republican in name only right now, but they've switched over to the Democratic Party like Crystal uh, or for loyalty, or, you know, are these sort of Republicans who still want to vote for Trump but wanted to play a role here? And, and you can't really tell because it's such a small group. Now, let's talk about the most interesting comparison from the crosstabs I saw, which is Latino voters versus black voters. There's a divide in how they vote. Would you explain what it is, Steve Kornacki? Yes. Yeah, this is this is one place, I should say, where Sanders has made progress since 2016. He has definitely made inroads, significant inroads with Latino voters. We saw it in Nevada a couple weeks ago. He got an outright majority there. Um, I believe he got 45 percent of the Latino vote in Texas, um, and it looks like he's hovering over 50 percent of the Latino vote in California. So that's why. I mean, that's why. 
and Colorado, by the way. Colorado has a sizable Latino population, and Sanders did really well there, too. So the best states for Sanders last night outside of his native Vermont, um, he's doing really well. California, Colorado. He didn't win Texas. That's a disappointment for him, but he was competitive. Um, he made inroads with Latino voters, particularly this has to do with age. Um, there's, a, there's a bit more of an imbalance there. Younger Latinos, much more likely to vote than older Latinos. Sanders doing so much better with younger voters in general. So Sanders really made inroads with younger Latinos that showed up in California, Colorado, and to some extent, Texas. Now, the president tweeted 21 minutes ago, quote, the Democrat establishment came together and crushed Bernie Sanders, all in caps. Again, even the fact that Elizabeth Warren stayed in the race was devastating to Bernie and allowed Sleepy Joe to unthinkably win Massachusetts. It was a perfect storm with many good states remaining for Joe. He added uh, a minute ago, so selfish for Elizabeth Warren to stay in the race. She has zero chance of even coming close to winning, but hurts Bernie badly. So much for their wonderful liberal friendship. Will he ever speak to her again? She cost him Massachusetts and came in third. He shouldn't. The president wanted Bloomberg out. He's getting what he wanted. But he's also getting Biden, which is, you know, it seemed like he wanted Bernie. I'm not sure that Bernie would have been easier than Biden to beat. They're both formidable. What do you make of his take that Joe Biden has many good states remaining? Yeah, it's true. I, I mean, I'm just looking ahead to the calendar next week. You know, Mississippi seems like a small state when you think about it. But when you look at the numbers Biden's putting up, look next door in Alabama last night. The margin in Alabama was 62 to 16. Biden over Sanders, 62 to 16. If it looks like that in Mississippi, I suspect it will. That's going to translate into like a a plus 30 delegate margin for Biden coming out of there. And if you just compare that, Michigan is actually the biggest state that votes next week. Sanders won Michigan narrowly in 2016. If Sanders were to beat Biden by a close margin in Michigan next week, you know, three points, four points, something like that, what would that actually mean for delegates? He might net 10 delegates out of there. Meanwhile, he's going to lose 30 in Mississippi. Mississippi. Um, The problem for Sanders, the biggest problem right now, I think, is there are a bunch of states left where you can see Biden winning landslides. And when you win landslides in a one-on-one race, you get a really big delegate advantage. And that puts the pressure on Sanders to find states where he can win landslides of his own. And I'm struggling to see those right now. All right. So jump ahead to a potential Biden, President Trump race, Steve Kornacki. Where is the jump ball there? I mean, it is so astonishing that the silent generation versus the boomers. I mean, hey, boomer takes on uh, all uh, just an ironic connotation. Then we have less than a minute. Who's up for grabs? Who decides 2020 if it's Biden, Trump? Can Biden make inroads into those uh, Trump, uh, Obama, Trump voters in places like Pennsylvania? You know, Biden always sells himself as the guy from Scranton. Can he make inroads in sort of those Rust Belt states versus how much of that suburban coalition uh, that powered the blue wave in 2018 can Biden hold on to um, versus how many of them on the economy would go with Trump? Oh, my goodness. It's going to be fascinating. And of course, the wild card is going to be Joe on the stump. And President Trump on the stump. You never know. Steve Kornacki, you're the Iron Man. Thank you for joining me this morning. Follow him at Steve Kornacki on Twitter. Hey, thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. Our podcast is sponsored by Alliance Defending Freedom. ADF provides help at no cost to those whose liberty is being violated. But they can't do it without your help. Call 800-691-8969. That's 800-691-8969. Or visit townhallreview.com.